Welcome to episode 123 of the 200 Churches Podcast. If you want to turn a volunteer into a leader, give them a project where the possibility of failure is very real. Hmm. So if they know, man, this is on me to get this done. If, if this doesn't get done, no one's coming to rescue me. No one's going to bail me out. No one's going to kind of be the safety net. It's on me. And when you give them that project, you'll see what's in them. And if they have to report back to you and give you updates, you'll see them grow and develop. And man, especially with people who have innate leadership gifts, you found out through your survey, man, people take to this like a duck to water. Welcome to the 200 Churches Podcast, where every Wednesday we produce a fresh episode of ministry encouragement for pastors of small churches. Now here are two guys who, like you, serve in the trenches of small church ministry. The Black and Decker of ministry podcasts, Jeff and Johnny. This is the 200 Churches Podcast. I'm Johnny Craig, and I'm in the studio with Jeff. Jeff Katie. Jeff Katie. I almost stole your thunder there. Yeah, I know. I that know. would have been horrible. We have a thing, and if I don't respect the thing, then what are we even doing? You know, some number of episodes ago, I started an episode unlike any we've ever done before. And I called you out immediately. And Johnny was all discombobulated. I didn't even know what to do with myself. I thought that our listeners would feel like they were just stepping right into a conversation that you and I are having. And, you know, this is a conversation we have with our listeners. Did, did it and feel that way? It did to me. I thought it was pretty novel and pretty, uh, actually pretty attractive. Well, I guess we'll just have to start doing that every... T- <laughs> Let me start this one over again. Hey, good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Johnny. Great to be here with you today. Johnny, you sound like a plastic talking head. Yeah, I feel like a plastic talking head. <laughs> you know, today, today is an episode that I was not a part of. Correct. This is the uh, series of uh, episodes that we did with John Finkeldy. Yep. Where I was literally writhing in in some kind of spiritual and psychological wasteland down in my living room. You were in a bad way. When I came down from recording these, it was almost like a scene from The Godfather. You were sitting reclined in a chair (laughs) in the pitch black with your eyes half closed, murmuring murderous thoughts through a very hoarse voice yeah well you know i for our listeners <laughs> you just like move like, yeah, oh, yeah yeah that for, happened for what our is... listeners yeah i, I had a strep i had a strep throat i didn't know it that night but the it, the worst was the way worse was yet to come oh man for the next four or five days but yeah so this isn't the one with fink Eldy that you uh you shepherd him through this one but you said that he tears this one up john caught Fire talking about and this. This is, this is eight proven ways to turn volunteers into leaders. Yeah. I, and John is real practical, right? And again, super practical. I have not listened to this one as of right now. You'll love it. But I remember when we interviewed him the first time, he was just like, just rapid fire practical stuff. So I would imagine That's our listeners should, uh, y'all should get pens. Get a pen. And something to write down or... Or um, or uh, revisit this one at a later date. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to put a, a whole bevy of notes on this one into our blog post for uh, episode 123. So you no. might want to just take some notes. You should definitely take notes. If, if you want to take your volunteers and turn them into leaders. And, and I think we all do. And that's the thing is... And John talks about why that's so important, why that, you know, what that transition really does look like. And you know what? It's funny. Dan Ryland, the book Amplified Leadership, it's the same type of idea. 
Right. And they're they're complementary, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh there it's not there's no opposition between the two, but they're talk Dan is at a philosophical level and John is at a practical Very level. Very practical level. And so it I love talking to John. I, I had a great time during this conversation because he just he just knows his stuff. When you talk to somebody who knows their stuff and it just starts bubbling out of them, how passionate they are, how excited they are. I mean, that's like that's the money right there. Well, remember that John said he was in. He's in a culture where going to church isn't a thing, not like right. in America, right. right? Or like at least like it was maybe in America, uh, but in where he is in Australia, it's not really a thing. And for him to grow a church uh, well up over five hundred is is something. You yeah, know, it's accomplishing something, and you don't really do that without being pretty pretty technical and pretty specific about the things you're doing every week and how you're following up with people yeah. and how you're developing your volunteers. I so, think this is the episode where he said, if it doesn't have a, goal, a number, it's not a goal, it's a wish. Right. That revolutionized my, my mind, and then I told that to you, and you laughed in my face and said that was something you had not you were not impressed by my revolutionized mind. <laughs> but if it doesn't well, have a number, yeah. if it doesn't have a deadline, then it's just a wish and it's not a goal. It's number five, simple goal regime, yeah. Anyways, go. it's a great one. Here's our conversation with John Finkeldy. We have got John Finkeldy back. John, thank you for being on the podcast all the way from around the globe. Hey, Johnny, it's a beautiful uh, autumn day, fall day here in Australia. Very cloudy, bit of rain, but uh, loving, loving this time of the year here. Not so hot. That's, there you, that's good. See, when you come to the end of the summer, and you, you can say things like that, right? <laughs> when you're in the yeah. middle of winter, all you can think is, how did I ever complain about heat? It sounds, <laughs> I would love the heat to please come back. But yeah, once, once you've had the hot stuff, it's nice for the cool down, I think. Yeah, I love this time of the year. It's kind of get cooler nights and uh, you get a yeah. bit of rain. We don't have any summer rain. So we, our rain starts in autumn, goes through to spring. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful time of the year and it cools down. But uh, look, I can still wear my shorts for a month or so. There you go. And my T-shirt. But um, Do the come trees winter, turn? I'll, have, I'll be rugged up. Do the trees turn colors? Yeah, uh, look, a little bit here in Perth. Um, different parts of Australia, like Canberra, more inland, and colder in Melbourne, the trees turn magnificent colors. But nice. not so much here in Perth, a different sort of more milder sort of climate. But sure. uh, certainly in parts of Australia, glorious time of the year for uh, autumn leaves. Someday I will visit and I will experience you it must. all. I, you I must. I hope to. I really do. John, Jeff is still out sick. I can't believe it. A whole month. Oh, no. The man is still... I know. It's incredible. But, <laughs> but we're going to talk good. here uh, about right. eight proven ways to turn volunteers into leaders. Now, John, you have a product called How to Turn Volunteers into Leaders. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, we have um, we've developed an online uh, resource, um, and it's on a different website, turnvolunteersintoleaders.com, and you can go there and uh, find that uh, product there, and just kind of sign up for the cheat sheet, and then we'll send you a few emails, and you can get into it. There you go. So wet our whistle with this, and then we will go out to turnvolunteersintoleaders.com, and we'll yep. take a look at that. So let's let's just jump right in. You got eight tips. Number one. Yep. Is this sounds you know like an obvious number one here? Identify yeah. leaders. How do how do I identify? Do I just like throw darts at a dartboard? I put their names up and just kind of like, <laughs> hey, the, you know, Billy over there is going to do great. How do I identify leaders? I think there's a couple of ways. Uh, one one is I 
I, I think using a gift assessment survey is great. There's plenty of free ones on the net. You can just Google gift assessment survey and then hand them out to a few people and say, hey, fill this in and find out who's got an innate leadership gift and a certain percentage of your church will have uh, an innate leadership gift. I think that's one way to do it. I think another way is just to look around your congregation and see who has an ability um, to get people to follow. They seem to influence people. They seem to kind of have a have a knack of getting on with people and, and people listen to them. People pay attention to them. In other words, they're, they're leading and it, it might be that they're leading them in a particular direction, but just that they're able to influence people and have an impact on, on people. I think also um, you can see um, amongst younger people is, is just start to look who shines in certain moments, whenever you've got them in a little group and you start talking to them, and they seem to have an ability to think a bit left field, they think um, they think able to think through kind of complex sort of issues, and seem to be able to handle. Um, I think the word would be handle complexity. Sure. And they're able to kind of engage when you start talking about difficult sort of issues. Uh, the key thing is is basically start looking for them. Look, and you'll find them. They'll be there uh, in your church. This is so many small church pastors, you know, it's a common thread. How do I get volunteers, right? How do I get people to do this? How do I get volunteers? And you're saying, look, get some volunteers, great. Turn your volunteers into leaders. Now your church is moving forward. Now you're going someplace. So identify your leaders. You're saying almost even before you pull them into being a volunteer, you know, you're finding these people as leaders. Next, sure. you, I, I think. Oh, go ahead. Look, look, look early. Look early and go hard. Yeah, I like that. Next, I, I like what you have here. Next, you you have small group. You say yeah. place leaders in a in a small group for connection and discussion around key leadership yeah. topics. How do you do that, and how engaged should you be with that small group? Look, I, I this is a huge one, uh, Johnny. Uh, pastors, and I don't. It doesn't matter if your church is fifty people or five hundred people. I think one of the key things that you can do as a pastor, one of the key things that you need to do, I think, every month is is have a gathering of as many as you like, up to about eight or nine. I wouldn't go any further than that, maybe up to ten. Um, but of, of leaders, um, people who have potential to become leaders or people who are already in a leadership role. So I think you choose from two areas. Whoever's running your your kids area, your worship area, your small group area, your youth area, any other key area in the life of the church, maybe women's or men's area, um, put, them, put them into a group and meet with them once a month, once every five, six weeks. Um, you can even do this Sunday after church, do it over Sunday lunch. Um, you can kind of do it at a time of week that suits everybody. Get together and discuss key leadership topics. I think I would run one group like that, and then a second group I would run is potential leaders. So people that I see who have got potential look like they're emerging. I've spotted them in various scenarios. Maybe they've done a gift assessment survey and they've come up ranking high in a leadership gift. Throw them into the group and discuss key leadership topics. Um, Generally use a book for this, so a book that you enjoy and you like as a pastor. Uh, so you're not doing a lot of prep time and just get each member of the group to pre-read set chapters, come together, have a few good questions and just roll the questions out and see where people go. If you do that over, a, I think, 18 months, two year, you will see those people grow in their leadership. Guaranteed, guilt edge, gold. You can take this one to the bank. If you put people together, basically this is what Jesus did. 
If you put people together in a small group and then you begin to talk with them, pray with them, give them projects, also, all sorts of things will flow out of this. But I think if you're not gathering people to develop them in their leadership, they won't develop. You know, you're talking about something that I like here as well, which is you're creating a, an environment where you have expectations for your leaders. You have development yeah. expectations. Yeah. You know, it's easy yeah. to say, oh, can you be in charge of this? And then that's it. But now you're saying, here's you know some, a book to read. Here's this. We're going to talk about this. There's an expectation yeah. that you come and you yeah. better yourself as a leader. Yeah. Um, I think that's missing probably in a lot of our churches. Oh, and it's an it's, area that, that we're helping people and we're helping the church all at the same time. Yeah, that's right. Look, I, I, I've got a friend of mine who runs uh, three groups like this every month, and his wife runs three groups. So they have about 50 or 60 people. It's a church of about 500 members. So it's a larger church, but but he is so committed to this. He he, he takes um, three groups every month through this sort of discussion, and it's, it's all designed to develop them. And I think if you've got a church of 50 people, start with two people. Get your kids leader, your worship leader. Start meeting with them every month to talk about leadership and input into them. Um, you'll, you'll take them to a place where you want them to be, and look, if in a smaller church, you kind of got less resources, but you've still got key people you can work with and develop them. And I think I, I despair sometimes that pastors don't do any of this and then complain about I don't have any leaders. <laughs> right, I sure. I think you've got to put time into this. Absolutely. So the next thing you have is training. How is this different mm. from small group? How, how, what is the next step here mm. between small yeah. group and training? Yeah, so small group is, is a discussion and a bit of teaching thrown in as well. Training is when um, uh, I'm actually showing people how to do something and then I'm getting involved in the process of learning something. So if I was going to train someone in, um, let, let's say I was going to train someone in, in, in how to do a very short preach. So I'm training a couple of people in preaching and so I'm going to get them to do a 10-minute preach each in a Sunday service. So we'll have a 20-minute sermon altogether. Um, what I would do is I'd say, okay, next Sunday you're going to watch me preach. Then afterwards we're going to debrief. So after I'd preached, I'd sit with them over lunch and I'd say, tell me everything that you saw. And I would get them to point back to me, well, your opening was like this, your closing was like this, your stories were like that, your body language. I say, tell me everything, everything, everything you saw. Then after lunch, I'd take them back to the church and I'd put them in the pulpit and I'd say, okay, I want you to replicate now what you've actually seen me do. I want you to kind of go through that process. I'll give you a bit of a script. Here's a couple of stories for you to tell. I want you to kind of get into the whole scenario. So actually, show and tell training is about me showing them, then getting them to tell me stuff, and then them physically getting involved in that. So I might do show and tell training to train them how to greet visitors, how to work with new people who are in the life of the church, maybe how, how to have a word of prayer with someone who needs prayer for a family situation. In other words, show them ask them to repeat or tell you what they saw and then get them involved in the process. So training is not teaching. Training is not discussion. Training is getting ready for the real thing. And then after training, after, and, and after a, you know, you say you're going to preach and then after they preach, you have reflection, right? And, Absolutely. And t- you know, getting them to learn what it looks like to reflect. Yeah. 
yeah, I, I, I definitely think that training your volunteers and in, in how to reflect, how to sit down. And basically reflection, Johnny, for me, is I sit down every five or six weeks with a whole bunch of questions and just ask myself questions and reflect and answer myself and write down some actions out of that. But training leaders and volunteers how to reflect and think. We, we all do reflection, but it's generally on the run. So I call this formal reflection where you sit down and think, how am I going with my wife? How am I going with my children? How am I going with my financial world? How am I going with my leadership development? How am I going in all sorts of areas of walking with Christ and so on? So formal reflection is a key part of making uh, volunteers develop into leaders. You know, we, we just talked um, a couple weeks ago with da- um, Dan Ryland, and he, we walked through reflection questions about a worship service. And it was just, right. it was just incredible for me to think, to, we don't do this at our church very well, and to think yeah. about actually going through that with a worship team on a Monday and saying, yeah. "Hey, how did this go?" I mean, that would be that would be a powerful thing to do. Yeah. So reflection totally. is is very important. Absolutely. Um, you, number five is a, a simple goal regime. Yeah. Now I think we would say regimen here in. Okay. Okay. I think I'm not sure. I was looking at this trying to figure out if I'm <laughs> illiterate or something. Sim- <laughs> You're saying you need to set and achieve goal. You need to start setting and achieving your goals, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I, I, I think with volunteers, I think you keep it very simple. So with, um, say, uh, let's talk about our youth leader. So I would say with my youth leader, I would say, okay, let's set, let's set three or four or five goals for the next 12 months. So let's set a goal around your personal development in education. Um, I'd like you to read three books in the next 12 months and give me an A4 summary of what you're changing in your life through what you've read. Um, so that would be a personal development goal. Um, then you set a goal around evangelism. Um, I'd like to see in the youth ministry, you know, let's talk about this, how many visitors will come into the youth ministry this year. So last year we had 25 visitors. Let's set a goal that we'll get 25 again. We think we'll be on the same sort of trajectory, so 25 is good. And then I want to see five young people baptized in the next 12 months. Then discipleship, um, I want to see, you know, 15 young people are in some sort of Bible reading program where they're getting into the scriptures and so on. So it's a very simple goal regime where they've got a few things that they're aiming for. It's just a process that sets some targets for them. The key thing, Johnny, with this is that if it doesn't have a number, it's a wish. If it has a number, it's a goal. I like so, that. That's I, For me, I think I spend too much time wishing. <laughs> <laughs> I I do. It's hard for me to put a number down, and, and you know, and so I think I do spend a lot of. Well, did I achieve this? I don't know. Did I achieve the spirit yeah. of it? I mean, yeah. you're, you're in some ways you're just you're lost. Yeah, yeah. I think when you go, um, hey, look, I want to I, I want to learn more about leadership. That's a wish. I'm going to read three uh, books about leadership to learn more about leadership. That's a goal. That's a goal. Set that up simply. Doesn't have to be you know. It doesn't have to be 25 goals for volunteers. It'll kill them. So just a few goals that moves them in the direction of development and challenges them at the same time. And you kind of just kind of keep reviewing that every two or three months with them and then sit down at the end of the year and how did we go? Let's have a look at this and check it out. Uh, Goals are a really great way to move people from volunteers into leadership. My wife went to a conference and and she listened to a speaker. This was this last weekend. The speaker said Mm. 3% of people 
write down and make goals. Three percent of people. Wow. And she said ninety wow. some. It was something crazy like ninety seven percent of what gets done gets done by those three percent. Because wow. if you don't have a goal, it's you're wow. just out there wishing. And so that's yeah, yeah. Goals are huge. Number six here you have is special projects. Yeah. So give me an example of a special, challenging special project. Yeah, I, I think it, it, it can be anything from, um, you know, to, to your kind of kids' leaders to say, hey, we're going to have a special Sunday um, that we want to have visitors here. So we're going to plan well ahead for this in two months. We're going to have a special kids' Sunday. It's going to have real focus on families. And so we're going to prepare invitations and we're going to make sure that there's a, a boost in numbers of 20% more kids in that Sunday or whatever kind of target you want. And, and pretty well all you're doing is setting up a special project that they have to take on, they have to work out. And here's the key thing with a special project. If you want to turn a volunteer into a leader, give them a project where the possibility of failure is very real. Hmm. So if they know, man, this is on me to get this done. If, if this doesn't get done, no one's coming to rescue me. No one's going to bail me out. No one's going to kind of be the safety net. It's on me. Now, that sort of special project, and you, you tailor it to the capacity of the, of the volunteer. So it's kind of, you don't want to tailor a volunteer whose kind of capacity is three out of 10. You don't give them a nine out of 10 project. That, that <laughs> They're going to fail. Them. You're just, wipe yeah, them out. Yeah, absolutely. Don't do that to them. But hey, tailor a project that's a five out of 10 where they have to step up and they have to move. And when you give them that project, you'll see what's in them. And if they have to report back to you and give you updates, you'll see them grow and develop. And man, especially with people who have innate leadership gifts, you found out through your survey, man, people take to this like a duck to water. People go, want to be this. challenged. Give me this thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. As a as a pastor, right, I, I desire a challenge, you know, when I get yeah. an opportunity to do something. That's where I feel like I can finally step in. And again, I like this because it's it's asking something of your volunteers. And so often yeah. I think pastors yeah. were afraid, oh, if yeah. I ask them to do too much, they're going to quit. You know what? Yeah. Then they're not a leader. And you need to press yeah. them into that leadership role and, and create right. some accountability. That's right. I think it's, it's important to remember that only a small percentage of your volunteers are going to turn into leaders. So don't expect your whole volunteer base to become, you know, kind of leaders overnight. They're not going to be all Storm and Norman kind of taking paths and <laughs> making ways and climbing mountains and everything like that. Right. That's not going to happen. But, but the small percentage of people who could become leaders, they're the ones that you want to see develop and grow. So next step you have is coaching and maybe not next step, but next principle, next, uh, you yep. know, idea is coaching. So you have your small groups, right? You have the small groups yep. where they're talking together. Yep. You have your yep. training where, which is happening with a group of people and they're training together. Now this coaching, this is one on one teaching with your volunteers. Yeah. yeah. And I think this, um, I, I kind of talk about two styles of coaching. One is download where, I'm the guru and I share advice and I answer questions. I think the other style is I call it explore. And whether you call it coaching, mentoring, I'm not too worried. But one is a download. I give you advice style. One is an explore where, where primarily the main thing I'm going to do is ask you questions. And I prefer the explore style because I think it helps people 
build awareness as they answer those questions and they take responsibility for their decisions. So I'm going to find a lot of what and how questions to ask a developing leader when I get with them. Uh, What would you do in this situation? How would you respond to this particular scenario? How are you going to shift that in your world? What do you want to become? And you're asking heaps of questions and then you're doing the thing that's hardest for us pastors, Johnny. You're shutting up. Sure. (laughs) That is the hardest. Oh, man. Man, I I find training myself in this has been hard, but training other leaders in this, you know, and I actually do training where I get people to actually role play this coaching and give them a bundle of questions to ask as they go for it. And the, the feedback always people will say, it's so hard to ask a question and not help the person answer. Absolutely. I think current best practice coaching is very much exploratory, Ask a question, let it hang in the air, just leave it hanging there, refuse to answer it, and give them space to answer it. Let them struggle with it. Let them wrestle with it. You know, Jesus asked over 300 questions in the Gospels, and he answered less than 10. There you go. (laughs) That might give us an idea on maybe how do you actually develop and probe and kind of prod people into new places. I'm a big believer in one-on-one coaching. They can't learn how to think critically unless we're, you know, asking questions like that. That's a a great statement right there. You're totally right. If if you ask a good question, they're going to have to think deep. And sometimes you also find out that some people don't think that deep. Sure. And um, trying to help them think critically is important. That's great. Yeah. The last tip, the last proven way to turn volunteers into leaders, you've coached them, you've given them special projects, you've trained them, you put them in a small group, they know what to do, they've now done it, and now you have to give them feedback, and I've not heard of this, feed forward. What's the Mm. situation here? Feedback is where you sit down and and, um, you do a very simple... um, Tell me, tell me, this is what I do in feedback. Tell me three things you did well, maybe in that, those, those guys who were doing the 10-minute preaching thing. Tell me three things you did well and one thing you could improve. I get them to give me their feedback, and then I add to that and amplify that and add, add anything to that that I think they're missing out on. Um, feed forward is before I um, get them to do the 10-minute preach, and I found this out by harsh experience, is rather than me sitting there during the 10-minute preach going, oh, my goodness, this is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) It's better for me to sit down with them two weeks before the 10-minute preach and say, show me your message, let's talk it through. Absolutely. And I'll give them feeding forward right then. And feed forward lacks the edge of feedback has an edge to it, like, oh, what have I done wrong? So you try and remove that by talking about improvement rather than what you did wrong. I like that. But feed forward has no edge of of review. It's a preview. So I haven't performed yet, so there's no way where I've done anything wrong. Um, But I'm giving you what I'm going to preach so that you can kind of help me make it even better by the time I preach it. Feed forward really boosts confidence uh, within people. I like that. I like that a lot, John. These are your eight proven ways to turn volunteers into leaders cheat sheet. If you want more, if we've whet your appetite and you would like to get more information about this, if you'd like to go deeper in this or or just receive training on each of these issues individually, I assume, you can go to turnvolunteersintoleaders.com. John, you have a great resource there for pastors of any size church, really. 
Yeah, look, they can go to that website and the, the website uh, is the one page where they download that cheat sheet. They can download that for free um, and then we'll send them some follow-up emails and introduce them to the course gradually. But uh, they can grab that cheat sheet at turnvolunteersintoleaders.com and, and use that. Go for it. Fantastic. Thank you, John, so much for joining us today. Go enjoy the rain. So, thanks, Johnny. I will do. Good on you, mate. All right, bye. Johnny, I think if you took this this uh, lesson by John Finkeldy and took the book by uh, Dan, Dan Ryland, yeah. uh, Amplified Leadership, and just worked on incorporating some of these principles into your ministry. Oh, my goodness. There, there's, just, there's just no way. So, you know, you several, go next level, man. Several episodes ago, we really encouraged our people to, to embrace and to engage and to be resolute and to you know, uh, begin changing yeah. for the better in their church. Begin trying to ask those evaluative questions and to grow. Well, here's here's just some, and this stuff is not big church stuff. This no. is small church stuff. Yeah. Amplified leadership is small church stuff. Absolutely. So if you just want to focus on one thing, I like uh, one of the podcasters that I listen to, John Lee Dumas. His, okay. his uh, thing for focus is... Finding out no, children understand no. Fo- stuff. Oh, yeah. Follow one course until success. Oh, my, I like mine. Follow one course until <laughs> success. So if you wanted to focus on something, just you know, just pick this lesson. Take some notes yeah. on this lesson and begin to implement. Yeah. You know, you, Johnny, you were talking earlier about best intentions. Sure. Don't share your best intentions with people. No. Don't share them. Just do them. Right. And then let people be impressed and thank you for yeah, that. I said, Jeff, Jeff, you've taught me a big lesson uh, to under-promise, over-deliver. It's my, it's my default to go to somebody and tell them my highfalutin ideas, my best intentions, you know, Here's here's the what I'd love to accomplish. Well, and then it doesn't happen, and there people are disappointed. Like yeah, what happened? Exactly. Well, let's start. Let's just get real. Let's do it, and not talk about our intentions. I knew it was true when John Maxwell once said it that people we judge ourselves by our best intentions. Right. People judge us by what we do. That is the truth. That is so true. So hey, take some of this stuff. Either either. Dan Ryland's book or this lesson yeah. and the notes from this lesson, these eight things to turn volunteers into leaders and begin to implement them in your church. It's awesome. Before we go, I got to say this. I talk to my wife a lot about our Australian contingent. Yes. I talk to her about John Finkeldy. She thinks this is the only thing about our podcast that my wife thinks is cool, that we have Australian fans and that we talk to this guy from Australia. Here's the thing. What are you looking at me like that for? Well, I, no, you know what I learned? Here's what I learned. <laughs> There's a lot. People in Australia are very closely connected with America and Americans. Oh. They like to, they, I mean, with the internet now, right, and with media, they, they're very connected. So a lot of Australians listen to a lot of American podcasts. <laughs> so? Yes. Yeah, so it's not like. So you want me to go tell my wife it's not that cool? Well, it's not. I mean, we think it's cool, but it's really not that so exclusive. So the one thing my wife thinks is cool, you want me to just... Pretty much. That's horrible. Yeah. I was getting to this. I w- we were Googling <laughs> where... I-, I said we should call him John John the Koala Finkeldy. Well, so then we started Googling things, and we realized, okay, Perth is on the far west coast of Australia, and koalas are really native to the east coast the of Australia. The eastern side, right. And we were like, we wouldn't want somebody to say, 
oh, Orange City, Iowa, where the palm trees are swaying. Right. Because there's no, there's no palm no, trees. No, no palm trees. Here. <laughs> and so we're trying to be accurate. I am so obsessed at this point with Australia. I'm, I can't even. I can't even lie. He started talking about platypuses. I want to go there so bad. Did, now let me, uh, pastors, tell me the truth. How many of you did not know that a platypus is only from Australia's yeah. eastern coast? The platypus. I would swear we had a platypus in America. You're somewhere. out of control. No way. Wombats and platypuses and kangaroos. Yeah. What do you watch like Australian Koala cartoons? Or I don't know. Wildcrats, maybe. I don't know what I want. All uh, I'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah. is, if anybody feels like bringing me out to Australia anytime soon to just kind of like be a guest speaker at your church or a conference or anything. I'm just saying I'm not going to turn it down. Don't do it. That's all I'm saying is I'm not. I will say yes. You'll regret it. I will absolutely say yes. I, I want to see your beautiful land. I'll stop now. Wow. Opportunistic. <laughs> it's, not even, and it's not even opportunistic. I'm just somebody real. This is a transparent moment. You think Johnny is bad this week? Then wait until next week on the 200 Churches Podcast. See you then. We hope you've been encouraged and inspired by this episode of the 200 Churches Podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe at 200churches.com and receive the guy's free PDF download called Our 7 Favorite Ministry Resources. You can count on us to be back next Wednesday with another brand new shiny episode just for you. Until then, may God bless you as you lead and love the people in your 200 church.